Hi there, and welcome to Pickleball Problems. I'm your host, Mark Renison, and in this episode of the show, we're talking about how to get the most out of your training sessions. Many of you will know me from my work at Dirt Shot Sports, where I travel across North America delivering pickleball clinics to thousands of people a year. And I can say without qualification that some people are better at practicing than others. Now, this isn't about skill, but it's about the way they approach their training. I've seen some great players who are terrible at practicing, and some weak players that are really good at it. In this episode of the show, we talk about how you can be awesome at getting better. All right, let's get down to business. What are some things you can do to make your training count? Use multiple balls. Each moment you spend retrieving a ball is a moment you're not spending hitting it. It's a moment you aren't spending practicing because you're picking up balls. I regularly see people who have a ball go past them, and then they spend 10 or 15 or 30 seconds going to the back of the fence or the back of the gym to retrieve it. What a waste of time. Make your life easier. Whenever possible, train with multiple balls. If one gets away from you, you can just reach into your pocket or your waistband or your sports bra and get the next rally going right away. While of course you need to be mindful of where your balls are going, you don't want to lose them and you should be careful not to interfere with other people who are practicing, there's no requirement that you practice with the same ball the whole time. Use a bunch. And you can make your life a lot easier by training in clothes that allow you to have more than one ball at a time on you. So like I said, the easiest way is having pockets, but if you've got stretchy pants or shorts or, I don't know, even put them down your shirt, just something. So when that one ball gets by you, you've got another one to spare. If you want to get the most out of your training, hustle to pick up the balls. When you do have to go get a ball, run for it. I promise you, if your training partner sees you walk slowly to go collect a ball, she's probably getting annoyed with you. You're wasting her time. Now, I'm not saying you need to sprint to pick up every single ball, but hurrying a little bit to retrieve it shows your partners that you respect their time and that you're into the training that you're doing. If you hit a ball into the net, jog up and get it. If it whizzes by you and you need to go to the back fence to go get it, run, or at least walk fast. The effort you show will not just mean you get more reps, you get to hit more balls, it'll also communicate to your training partners that you're considerate of their training as well. And that's good for everybody. By the way, this goes for rec games as well, not just practice sessions. The longer you take to pick up a ball, the less time you are hitting it. And playing pickleball is much more fun than collecting balls. Save the chatting for the breaks. If I'm running a group session and the players are able to have a conversation while they're hitting the ball or doing our drill, one of us isn't doing our job properly. Either I'm not giving them a challenging enough task, or they aren't taking that task seriously. Improving requires focus, and chit-chat shouldn't factor in. If you can have a conversation while you're playing, you aren't really training. You're better off sitting down for a few minutes to finish your discussion. Keep talking about your weekend plans or catch up on last week's gossip. And for you coaches out there, if your players can accomplish the goals you've set for them while discussing next week's round robin, maybe you aren't pushing them hard enough. High-quality practice is focus practice. And that means you shouldn't be able to have a conversation while you're working. In the beginning, we gave you unlimited power and asked just one thing in return. Just one thing. Just keep it in. What were we thinking? Mistakes were made. Lives were lost. But this time, 
Just relax. We've got you covered. Selkirk. Power. Control. No compromise. And welcome back. Next up, if you don't want to waste time, pass the ball clearly to your partners. Not a single clinic goes by where I don't see at least one person send the ball over the net to their partner. And the partner then hits it back. And then the first person yells, no, 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 it's your serve. I'm just giving you the ball. I wasn't serving it, I was giving it to you. This is an incredible waste of time. And this problem can be solved quite easily if people communicate better. So one option is you could yell, okay, friend, I'm giving you this ball now. That's theoretically an option, but it's also kind of impractical. If you're training in a venue that's kind of loud or there's wind or people don't hear as well as they used to, using your voice to tell them that you are giving them the ball so they can start the point or start the rally isn't the best way to do it. Here's a better solution. Send the ball to the other side of the court in a way that can never be mistaken for a serve. Throw the ball with your hand. Toss it underhand if you need to. Hit it overhand, kind of tennis style, with sort of a big, clear arc, so it's clear that that's not any kind of real pickleball shot. Or, if you have to, roll the ball to them. Now, this is my least favorite of the options because it takes so long to get there and you're making the other person bend over to pick it up, but at least you're making it clear you're just giving them the ball, not starting a rally. This kind of nonverbal communication is a really great way to clearly let your partners know that you're just handing the ball over to them so they can start the next exchange. It's a little thing, but it saves time and frustration, and it adds up. Don't obsess about in or out if it doesn't really matter. Pickleball has rules, and when you're playing the game of pickleball, those rules should be followed. But sometimes it doesn't matter so much if all the rules are followed exactly. Let's say I'm practicing returning serve away from the middle of the court. My partner serves three times to me, and I always return it cross-court or down the line, avoiding the middle. And on the fourth serve that she hits, her ball lands six inches long. Now, I guess I could just catch her ball and say, your serve was out. Or I could hit it back. Even though the ball is out, this is an opportunity for me to practice. I see people all the time catch the ball, or worse, they just let it go by them, and then they have to walk away to go pick it up again, and then they say to their partner, it was out. Your serve was out. So what if it's out? It's still an opportunity for you to practice. You can hit one more ball. And here's the thing. If your partner serves out to you, landing much closer to your feet than it normally would, giving you less time than you would normally have, and you can hit that ball back with a certain amount of quality, well, that's even tougher than when you're receiving a ball that's in. So hitting those out balls actually gives you additional challenge. So take on that challenge. Think of it as an opportunity. Hit the ball back. Again, we're just practicing. It doesn't really matter if it's out. Give yourself the chance to get better rather than just catching the ball or letting it go by and then getting mad at them for missing their serve. If you want to be a great practicer, do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good, especially at the beginning of practice. A large part of practicing is getting in reps, hitting lots and lots of balls. And it's important for those to be quality reps. But so often I see people who are trying to be so perfect with the shots they send, they end up missing again and again and again. Here's an example. Let's say you're working on hitting low, fast drives, and your partner is working on handling those drives with a volley. Well, if you hit six balls in a row that hit the tape, hit the very top of the net, but don't come over. You've now had six reps, six opportunities to work on the skill you're working on, and your partner has had zero. 
That's not fair. While you might be patient and okay focusing on the process while you try to get those perfect drives, I've got to wonder whether your partner is as patient as you are. The answer is probably no. And at this point, I would suggest trying not to be so perfect with your drives. Look, once you've missed a bunch in a row, hit some drives that don't come within an inch of the net. Just make sure they're in the court. Make sure they're over the net. Start to develop a bit of a rhythm. Build some confidence. And meanwhile, you're giving your friend a chance to hit some balls too. And as you start to hit those drives that maybe aren't so great yet, maybe they're a little too high or not as fast as you'd like, well, then you can start to work your way closer to where you want to be. Instead of hitting two feet over the net, now you hit 18 inches. Instead of hitting 20 miles an hour, maybe now you start to hit 25. You start to improve the quality of the shot, but start with the lower quality one. You've got to be able to crawl before you can walk. You've got to be able to walk before you can run. So start off by being really consistent, by getting the ball in play again and again and again, by finding your rhythm, and then start to work your way towards that higher quality target. It's a more practical way for you to improve and to build confidence, and it's far more fair to your partner, who's out there not just to work with you, but to work on their own game as well. Don't let the desire to be perfect sabotage the practice for you and the people you're training with. You don't have to be that close to it. I hear that you are a big sister now. Is that true? Yeah. What kinds of things do you think that you have to teach your brother how to do? Um, swim and jump off the side because I can jump off the side now. He has to learn how to run and skip. How to do cartwheels. He has to learn how to cook food because bad. Hey, do you think you can teach him how to play pickleball? I'm really good at teaching pickleball. Not everyone can be a naturally amazing pickleball coach. That's why we created Pickleball Coaching International, the world's best online resource for pickleball instructors and coaches. And if you use the promo code PROBLEMS at the checkout, you'll save $10. So head over to pickleballcoachinginternational.com. Pickleball Coaching International. We make good pickleball coaches even better. See you later, alligator. If you want to make the most of your practice sessions, be very clear on the drill or game you are doing. Good coaches demonstrate drills and games clearly. They show what they are doing and they explain it at the same time. They position their students so everyone can see and hear, and they explain the purpose of the activity, the rules, and they demonstrate it proficiently. But players have a job to do as well, and that job is to watch in an active way so that when they go on the court, they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. I regularly see people who apparently watch the demo and then go out to the court and they're confused. They hit the wrong ball. They think they're playing down the line when it's actually a cross-court drill. They catch the ball when they should be sending it. They don't realize they should be keeping score. Now when this happens, I tell the group that I always first assume it's the coach's fault and that I didn't explain it clearly enough if they're not doing the drill right. And that's true. I give the players the benefit of the doubt. But when the same person repeatedly gets the drill or game wrong, even though all of the others in the group seem to be on track, it's more than likely that they aren't watching the demonstration carefully. They're watching the demo in a passive way, like they're watching TV. And rather than watching actively and making sure they know exactly what their job is and how to do it, 
They're watching other things. How nice the shots are. The player's new shoes, the paddles, whatever. So if you want to make good use of your time and not to annoy your fellow players, watch the demos, not like a TV show, but like a really important how-to video. And if you're unclear about anything, how to keep score, what your job is, where to stand, ask the instructor before you go out on the court to do it. Next up, if you want to be a great practicer, if it doesn't really matter, don't stress over the score. Times that keeping score is really important. If you're playing an up and down game where the winners move one direction and the losers move the other, it matters. Because if you don't know the score, you don't know where you're moving next. But if you're playing a game with the purpose of implementing a skill, for example, playing cross-court drops to improve consistency, does it really matter whether the score is 8-1 or 8-2? I've seen lots of times where people miss out on valuable practice time because they're too busy nitpicking over who has how many points. If you want to get the most out of your training, don't worry about the score unless it really matters. Well, that sound tells us that we need to wrap things up. While it's true that not everyone is going to be a pickleball superstar, that doesn't mean you can't train like one. Whether it means picking up balls more quickly, communicating clearly with your partner, or even just making sure that you've got pockets when you step onto the court. There are simple things you can do to get the most out of your time. If you're going to put in the time and effort to get better, you might as well make it count. Thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you next time on Pickleball Problems. I'm your host, Mark Renison, and in this episode of the show, we're talking about how to get the most out of your training sessions.